152 yards. Should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. All right, Kev, welcome back. I hope that we've just been led in by Tiger's uh, nice, comfortable nine iron and that they're going to go crazy when he hits it, that that drop, that sound drop. We need to, in the coming weeks, find some unlicensed music that serves as a better intro to the podcast. But I wanted to step it up and try that at the beginning and then golf clap us on the way out. But we need a theme song. I've been thinking, but maybe next week we have a little uh, a little live brainstorming session. But anyway, I know we got a lot of golf to talk about. Um, and we got obviously the PGA and, and all of that drama, but there was a more important golf uh, taking place on Sunday this week. So we got to get into it. We got to get into it. Do you want to start and just give your general thoughts? Big, big two on two match in the first round of a four ball tournament. Me and Kevin. Uh, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with my thoughts. Yeah. Um, so just first of all, I love playing in this tournament, like the format of it, because so just a little background information on it. It's at uh you know braintree municipal which first of all if you haven't played there you you need to need to play there one absolutely one of the best probably the best municipal course that i've ever played on 100 percent hands down and also like much nicer than any other course or, or many other courses where you would pay a lot more and and expect a lot more so um yeah beautiful beautiful spot they have down there so and, yeah. and the background or the format of the tournament is like um sort of bracket style. So it's two man teams. And basically what happens is you get paired up against two other guys and you just schedule a match, uh, which if you've never played or even watched on TV, uh, like two man best ball head to head, like match play it is some like very unique golf and, and, and competitive golf. If you've never played like a full competitive 18 holes, it, it really is a lot of fun. Like um, just makes it, obviously like you're, you're grind, sort of grinding out every shot. You're really paying attention to your opponents and what they're mm-hmm. doing. And it's um, yeah, it, it's a good time. You know, I'll say Ed and I, we, we played in this tournament last year. Uh, oh, didn't have a, a ton, quick, quick cameo. Didn't have a ton of success with the, these two guys we played, played against last year in the first round, it just absolutely lit us up. Like, these guys were very talented golfers just never really felt like we had a a shot uh and then this our it's double elimination the second match unfortunately i wasn't able to make it so ed had to play solo uh i obviously was not there but he tells me he was he he had a lead going sort of down the home stretch and then unfortunately wasn't able to close it out so a tough tough sort of run for us last year so this year we had ambitions of coming back and sort of you know being obviously better than we were last year and i will say we got the win this year, 100% uh, because of Eddie. I did not hey, contribute. We, <laughs> we, win as, not contribute. we win as a team and we lose as a team. That's right. We we, we won as a team, uh, but I I did not contribute little to to almost almost nothing. So uh, I can, props to Ed. Ed Eddie. He won't say this himself, but uh, he works incredibly hard in his golf game and puts a lot of time into it. And I know he the first thing he said to me after the match is that, um, you know, it feels good to see that hard work pay off. So um, so so props to him. We're happy to get our first win and we're, and we're on to the second round. So it feels good. Yeah, those are incredibly uh, kind words. And I think, yeah, I was just talking about putting and 
like I'm still not good, but I just I just don't suck anymore. So it was good just not to suck at that. And that that got it done. But I got to paint the picture of our opponents. So we played two older gentlemen, one of which sounds like he smokes a hundred packs of cigarettes a day. Like you just picture like Marge Simpson's friends with like that deep, raspy voice. Um, his putting stance was legitimately like double, like like shoulder width apart, like like a like a sumo wrestling stance. Uh, hand halfway down, one of the hands halfway down the putter, like just incredible character to play with. And the other guy, I swear to God, had to have been like a relative of Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King, or just think of like, who were the great humans in human history in terms of like doing good deeds? Because I've literally never seen a human being get luckier breaks than this guy. Um, and I play like those who don't know or haven't played with my brother, uh, another incredibly lucky golfer who, and by what I mean by this is like this, this old dude and my brother, but we'll just talk about this old dude for once hit so many balls like into tree lines, uh, into the woods, and they all bounce like 90 degrees, like into the middle of the fairway every single time. And then we're, we're on the 16th hole and as a river uh, running across it, this dude hits a skull fucked iron shot into the middle of the river. It hits a rock, bounces like a hundred feet forward and lands probably 20 yards from the green. And that was like the, the end. Like I thought we were defeated. I think at that point we were two down going on the 16th when that happened. But you know, my, my takeaway from this is in sort of one of my theories in life is you can't be premature in anything, just never good in any situation, you name it. But one of those situations where you can't be premature in is celebrating a win. And on the 11th tee, I think we were down three and admittedly reeling, just absolutely reeling. Um, these guys start talking about their buddies who they're going to play in the second round. And I was just so offended. And it's not like, you know, I have any control is like now I'm going to suddenly be better and have like, you know, get motivated because I just don't have that kind of control over my game. But it was just so offended that the, that we thought they thought that we were beaten down that badly with so many holes to go. And then on cue, uh, both of us snap hook balls into the woods. Uh, we're both in our pockets playing our next shot, but then we're walking out and heaven, heaven above drops my first ball back into the fairway. We never saw it. We end up winning that hole. And then the rest is history. We end up coming back from two down with three to go, winning the match. It's great. One of the one of the guys is throwing up in the 18th woods. Just a lot of, I don't know if this was on pay-per-view or not, or if this went head-to-head -head with the PGA first round, but like on that level of uh, objective entertainment for the spectators. Like just, just a match, a match for the history books. Crazy stuff. Yeah, should have been on the pay-per-view. Uh, yeah, the 11th hole was crazy because like you said, we're, we're both at that. We are at a, the lowest of lows at this point. Yes. Like we're not not feeling good about the No map. beers at the turn. This was also yes. preceded yes. by that. Like all excited coming off the ninth. Like, all right, like this is, you know, this is where we sort of turn it on a little bit here. Let's get a dog. Like, right. Nothing. And so – to this point, you know, I, I, I'm driving the ball terribly all day. So I go out of bounds, like right on cue, like I had been on the previous eight holes. But Ed had been driving the ball super well all day. 
but for the first time, like absolutely hook, like, like he said, snap hooks one straight into the woods. And of course, like the walk up the fairway, which is silent. So Ed doesn't find his ball and, and goes ahead and like, and drops a ball and plays his second. I am, I, I did not take my second shot yet, but I see like this little, like, gl- like glimmer of like white in like the rough up ahead. And I'm like, please God, like, don't, I, I don't think that's my ball. Cause I don't hit it that far, but I was like, please just let it be one of ours. So I start walking up and the other guys, like, he's like, Oh, he's like, Kevin, did you didn't play your second shot? I'm like, yeah, I just see one like up here in the rough though. I'm just going to check it out. And they're like, Oh yeah. By like, by all means, check it out. And I go and I stand above it and I see that big capital ED like in the, you know, on the ball. Yeah. I was like, Oh God, please. Like, yes. And I'm like, Ed, this is your first one right here. And Ed proceeds to like play out the rest of the hole, win that hole for us, and then absolutely carry us to winning like the next, you know, whatever it is, four out of the next six, seven holes to to win the match. But yeah, we also were commenting afterwards that in in Ed and I's history of playing in this tournament, we have not been in the lead on us at a single point ever in any match in, in together in a match until the 18th hole of this match, which was uh, exhilarating to say the least. But uh, but we got it done. And we we've still to this point as a team led no shots in a Braintree event because <laughs> you know we we closed that out up one having never had a lead having never had a lead in the match where I think we were down five with five, you know through five last year yeah so we'll we'll still go into our match our next match uh, having yeah having never led and probably never leading until late on again because we like to we like to throw holes away um, early and often it's fun. On to the real golf here. Let's so, uh yeah. This was our next was uh, our, our next match is not till end of June. So oh, it's gonna be case. a few few more weeks until we uh till we play again, but hopefully I can figure something out between now and then. But yeah, let's get uh let's get on to the PGA championship. What well, what'd right, you think yeah. of the uh dude? Conference? I had I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with this tournament. Um immediate big thoughts were like when I'm thinking about how hard I want a tournament to be. Uh, on TV, this was like perfect. The perfect amount of birdies, the perfect amount of trouble, the perfect amount of struggle for golfers too. Um, yeah, this this was a great a great mix of yeah some some holes where there could be some drama both ways. Um, you know that drivable par four I know was like a, a hole. I think it was fourteen. Looking forward to every you know every time through because I thought something could happen. But Rooks Kepka dominant dominant performance. Um, and now uh, in Ryder Cup qualification, number two overall. And in my opinion, got to be back in the conversation for the best player on the planet. That might be like a prisoner of the moment thing, but that dude is playing some solid, solid, solid golf in every aspect. Like he looks back to what he used to be, which is dominate every major and then every other PGA event, you know, kind of just lollygag through, which he does at the live events now. But yeah, what an impressive performance by that dude. And I miss that a lot, by the way. I really, I, I keep forgetting how much I miss some of the live guys just in normal, like the normal flow, because I love watching that dude play golf. I was so happy. Like, yeah, dude, that, that was my big takeaway. Brooks Brooks is a dominant, dominant player now. Yeah. Um, no, same thing. I thought it was amazing. I, I, we, we, I remember talking with you on Sunday while we were um, at the golf course after we finished our roundup saying that like, 
Yeah, I think that's that's sort of like the perfect sweet spot to hit is like if you, you want the winning score at a major like that to be somewhere between like minus five and minus 10, something like that, where like, you know, obviously it's not absurdly set up to where the golf course is impossible, where like if, if you if you if it's a true test and you bring your absolute best, you can you can score a minus three minus four round and, and like that's going to jump you on a like majority of the field. Um, and, and that's what it should be like. And if you, if you don't have that, if you don't have your best game, like you're, you're going to shoot over par. And again, that, that's what it should be as well. But yeah, watching Brooks, a couple takeaways, um, just from the play itself and like his, his performance, just amazing. I, one guy I was listening to, um, yesterday took went through i don't remember the exact number of holes but it was a significant stretch it was something like eight to ten of like his closing holes uh where he hit approach shots and if you if you add up the amount of yardage that he that he missed the approach shots by meaning like for example if he had 135 yards in he was hitting a shot to like 136 or if he had like 150 yeah, in he's hitting like 148 yep. right so like if you add up how much he missed by over those closing like eight to ten holes it was something like 16 yards combined over yeah. that that stretch of holes and that's and exactly that what is, it felt like that's, yeah, that, that's what we miss about Brooks is the elite iron play and, and his just ability to to grind out pars when he needs to. But but he was even better than that on, on Saturday and Sunday. Like, I, I think he shot, I don't know what it was on Saturday, right? He was like four under, maybe five yeah. under. Yeah. Um, and then again, like, I don't think Hovland played terribly. I thought he played really well. Obviously, that the, the shot on what was a 16 with the bunker was yeah. a mistake. But other than that, like... I, I don't think he lost it. I think Brooks just took it from him. Um, I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Hovland and, like, upcoming majors in terms of, like, how many he's going to get? I saw the question posed today, like, who wins more by the end of their career, Hovland or Morikawa? And Kawa's obviously got the two already, but yeah. with the way they're playing right now, I think I think slight edge to Hovland, obviously, in how he's playing, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Very, very impressed by him, especially with the short game sort of being so solid and that being his, like, only really weakness. Like, he is a super elite driver of the golf ball, super elite iron player. His downfall has always been sort of putting and short game, and that that was not really uh, an issue. You said it right. I mean, he had that weird, like, embedded, like, thing on the 16th, but without that, he's he's right there. I actually had like I was going to ask at the end of you know our big discussion like Hovland or Max Homa next major like who gets their first first and at the beginning of the season and for the last you know few months I would have said Homa like hands down just because he's got what we thought was a, a more well-rounded game without real weakness other than like the mental aspect and I don't know again like I don't want to overreact to one tournament or a, a stretch of weeks here but you know Hovland does. He didn't really crack at all under, you know, playing in the final group, being in contention. He just, yeah, he just got outplayed. So my answer like today for that prompt would be Hovland. Very impressive performance by him. Very impressive on the fashion too, by the way. I was loving the, like the tangerine and the peach. Like that was super fresh. So I enjoyed, I enjoyed the overall game as well. Yeah, I agree with you there. It'll be interesting to see, obviously, when uh, U.S. Open coming up is going to be in Los Angeles. So, obviously, like, going back to California. Yeah, I remember saying on this podcast at some point in, like, maybe late January, early February, that you have to put Max Homer in the conversation of, like, 
top four, top five guys in the world just on the stretch that he was yeah. on. And he got the win it was it was a year. reasonable point too. Yeah. Point. Yeah. And now again, you said I remember you making a comment as well. I think it was when we had Tom on as our first guest, you're saying, like, well, let's just see how he does on the East Coast. And it's been kind of true. Like and and at the majors, like the, the these kinds of courses, um the you know, it just hasn't quite been there the same way that it was at the beginning of the season, but we'll see U.S. Open going back to California. So that'll be interesting to see him, both him and Morikawa, both typically play well over there on the West Coast. So um, we'll see what that sort of brings. But yeah, right now, I think you have to give the edge to Hovland. For sure. Just more solid. Yeah, I sort of had is like my next takeaway was with two guys you just mentioned, Homa, Morikawa, and then John Rahm, just not in contention. And I sort of, you know, just to touch on Rahm, like, hilarious watching him just boil over the entire weekend was a hot mic machine on some of the some of the uh footage uh was fun to see that i'm not worried about him going forward at all long term like it just it never really clicked for him and he just found himself in a lot of trouble off the tee but like going into the u.s open and going into whatever tournament he plays next like will be among the favorites and should be but like morikawa and homa like concerning stretch of form concerning um uh, like for two guys who um, are so well-rounded and so solid, like both just having some big issues in different uh, different ways. Like Morikawa, short game putting, as always, um, pretty pretty bad all, all weekend. Like made, made the cut, no problem. Both of them made the cut, no problem. But both like finished well over par. And yeah, the game is just concerning. I did not see this coming like at the beginning of the season. Like I thought, like, you know, you, you, we alluded to it earlier, but after what at that point was Rom Scheffler Rory, like that fourth, the fourth best golfer in the world was, you know, in that conversation, Homa, Morikawa, a couple others, but now like just based on current form, like really not close to that status right now. And I don't know what's going on. I just don't, I, I don't know how it falls off like this sometimes. Yeah. The other question I have for you, and this is interesting to me, and I think this is a really hard question to answer because you just don't get enough like apples to apples comparison between these guys, but like where the, the the two main guys, obviously on Brooks that, um, excuse me, on the, on the live tour that, that are highlighted are Brooks and Cam Smith. And where do you sort of rank them in terms of like these top guys that we see every week on the PGA tour in terms of like your ROMs and Schefflers and, and Rory McIlroy's and, uh, for uh, for me, I'll just start saying like I, I am incre- incredibly intrigued and interested in Cam Smith going forward in some of these majors. I don't know so much about the U.S. Open, but in terms of the Open Championship, uh, definitely a guy I'm I'm sort of looking at and, and targeting for that. So um, I don't know where those guys fall for you in terms of uh, what you think in terms of like these top PGA Tour guys. But for me, they're 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 really starting to um, be towards the top of the, that list. 100% with you and three live finishers inside the top 10 this week like those guys aren't going away at these tournaments and they're starting to start sort of like Bryson is creeping into sort of being good again which is annoying but uh intriguing as well um I uh I I followed Cam's feature group Thursday and Friday and it is a miracle and a testament to that dude's short game prowess that he was in this weekend because he was so 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 shaky with driver that it was like it, what he was doing around the greens was so impressive to like just hang around and then went very low to, you know, backdoor top 10, the, the tournament without ever having anything, in my opinion, resembling like something looking like his a game. Um, but, but for me, like I'm putting Brooks like at any major, 
or any, you know, I don't know, imaginary, like neutral course, like high stakes event um, in that top four with, with those three other guys. And frankly, like ahead of Rory. Um, so I guess I'd sort of tier it like Rom Scheffler Brooks next tier. And then for me, like Cam's in that next tier. Um, I really don't think with if he plays the ball with off the tee like he did this weekend, I don't think he can win uh, anything like that just with the other competition. But like if he, that even resembles um, something solid, like he's so damn good everywhere else. So he to me is like in the McElroy, like um, yeah, him McElroy, and then you know from there, like uh, I guess another little tier before the rest of the guys, Spieth, Morikawa, all those guys, but. Yeah, another, I mean, I don't want to bounce around here, but Scotty Scheffler's second place, and I don't know if you watched any of him, but like played like shit, literally for all four days, was making very uncharacteristic mistakes and not making any putts and and just like uncharacteristically flustered too, like a little bit. And still just like another second place at a major, like without any drama at all. So I don't know if you're giving me like ceiling, like who has the highest ceiling right now, it's sort of tough not to say Scheffler, but yeah, for, for me, like Brooks has re-entered, re-entered the dominant, dominant category as I guess I would call it. Yeah. And I, which is great to see because I, I just love having him up there. I love having him in the mix with those other guys. Um, But yeah, I, I, I don't, it, it's great. It's great to have all of them sort of in the mix. And, and I think you just have to say like, we got to let it just sort of play out over these next couple months and and see what happens. And and I think that's the great thing. We sort of have that aspect of golf right now where like, you really don't know of those four or five guys. And I think you're absolutely right. We, we have to put Brooks um, in that category, uh, but you, you really just don't know who's going to kind of show up out of those four. Like get the ROM struggles this week were obviously very surprising, but as you mentioned earlier, I don't, the next tournament he plays in, I, I'm not going to be doubting him or anything like that. I don't, I don't think it's an issue there. It's just, um, you know, it didn't happen to be his week, but yeah, Scheffler, Scheffler's in, intriguing. Like he hasn't quite shown us his best stuff. I don't think in a while now, and he's still, obviously up there so i think if he if he can sort of put some of that together the putting obviously has always recently been a real issue and even some other stuff kind of has been um shaky i guess i'll say yeah shaky for him like just not world class which is the the expectation of his yeah what what it was more predictable this week than rory mcelroy's entire week it's like it's the Rory script, which we see it at every single tournament in every single major, which is play like shit for two days and play yourself like out of really contending. And then when the expectations are ultra low, make a charge back up the leaderboard with never really having a realistic chance to actually win and yeah. did it again. Um, so I'm just so disappointed at this point. Like I'm, I'm it's I, I want to see him contend so bad. Um, and I still think he's so good, but this has been like, this is sad for me, like a little bit. I know that's pathetic is a strong word, but like, I, I feel bad watching Rory do this. Like, it's just a weird thing his, to see him play. Like his that. comments in the media also just don't make sense. Like he seems to like contradict himself all the time now. Like he said, he, it seemed like he said he like played great and also played like shit in the same like interview. Like, I don't, I don't know what he if it's like sort of contrived or he's like making up some of these responses, I, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. But it, 
it just doesn't seem great. I was impressed with a lot of his play, honestly, from like, of course, you know, he's got the slow start again. He, we, you and I were watching together at Braintree, his first hole when he's paired with Michael Block, like, and, I took and Block I know, straight up. I know you took Block and then he yeah. stuck it, he stuck his approach shot to a foot. And then we're like, okay, maybe it's just going to be one of those days for Rory where he just like attacks the whole course. And then I think on the second hole, he misses like short side. But I mean, of course, right. like he's going at every pin because he's uh, however many shots back, like he needs to just make birdies, of course. But, um, but I don't know. Yeah. And then I got to get your thoughts on what is the, the Michael Block situation, obviously like probably the biggest talked about story of the weekend. What are, what are your thoughts of him? And uh I have a great, I'm so happy. We were going to get to it either way because I was marking it down, but here's, here's my real thoughts. And this may be a hot take. I'm done, man. I don't want to hear the words Mike block again. Like the story's over. It was an awesome week. Um, but that got for me like real annoying down the stretch. It, It was just a lot of Michael block and the hole in one was cool as shit. Like I just have to add it. That was an awesome moment. And again, like out of the storybook, but I know in one of the interviews, he was like, this is so surreal to me. Like the most money I've ever made playing golf before was like $75,000. And now I'm playing for like this, you know, whatever. I was like, dude, that is a lot of freaking money to win at a golf tournament. Like, what are you talking about, man? And, you know, I think the image that this dude was like a pro, you know, a PGA pro at like your, your local muni. And like through the qualifiers and like pulling this miracle thing, like this guy has won a lot of tournaments and has played in PGA tour tournaments and plays with Cantlay and Shoffley and Bo Hostler, like in a weekly game, like everybody knew this dude coming in. So I know like 15th is a surprise and the whole week, like making the cut is an awesome thing for like the, the tour pros that come in, but man, it was a lot for what is not like, this is not the miracle on ice right here. So it got a little fatiguey for me at the end. Um, I know he, he said he didn't cry during the birth of his kids, but the dude was crying a lot (laughs) this whole week. And then I'll also say like when he made the hole in one and then was telling the story, like he didn't know it went in and he didn't know why Rory was hugging him in my brain. I was like, why the hell do you think Rory's hugging you, dude? Like, just put, like, one and one together. Like, you heard the crowd roar. Like, what are they roaring at? What do you think they're roaring at? And why is everybody high-fiving you? Like, stop playing it all up like that. So I know that's a little, like, bah humbug and, like, like throw a wet blanket on this dude a little bit. But I was very, very block fatigued by Sunday night. It's So I think... Okay, in terms of the coverage on Sunday, I didn't think it was like incredibly overdone. So they showed him. I mean, he's paired with War- with Rory. He they showed him at the beginning, and then obviously like he wasn't playing well like the middle of his round, so they just weren't showing him for a while. And then of course they go back to him on the hole in one, deservedly so. I mean, the the hole in one was was crazy. Just that like was him dunk- him dunking it and like the atmosphere there was crazy, but. I agree with you. I think from like a media perspective and how much they pushed it, it was way, way too much overdone. Not even, I'm not even saying like from a, from a fan or like viewership perspective, it it was a little bit overdone from that perspective, but for, for him, like the amount of questions he was like forced to answer and like, 
I, I think he probably someone commented on this yesterday, but I think he probably did more TV time than like Brooks did, the winner of a hundred percent, hundred percent. And so now, like, look at—I mean, he's in the field this week, and like, I—I I would be surprised if he doesn't finish dead last. To be quite frank, like, I don't want to say that. I hope. Why I hope is I'm he in this stupid tournament? Why is he I in hope, this tournament? I hope he makes the cut, but like that dude has got to be exhausted, like not just from the play, but like all the attention and the text and the everything else he's gotten i don't know i hope I, I i hope he's handling it well but i don't know i i would be surprised to see him contend this week for sure I, again i hope i'm wrong but we'll see yeah it's it's not going to happen and i like i said i know that's a strong sort of negative thing and it's not all negative like it is a really fun story and i was enjoying like watching it the entire week but yeah man it, it just became a lot and and i think you just nailed it a little bit like i I don't know why it felt like the Michael Block story like overshadowed Brooks Kepka's win. And maybe that's like a CBS like live thing or like just a, like trying to minimize it as much as they can for the winner. But this has been like Brooks winning is a huge story in my opinion. Like this is now like one of the great champions of, of all time in a way. And somebody who's still super young and still super dominant and, you know, is back in my opinion to the conversations we were having about him two years ago, where it's like, is this dude going to rattle off like eight, nine, 10, 11, like, like in the double digits of majors, because this is what it looked like, like a solo second where he had the lead in the final round at Augusta in the first major, uh, a pretty dominant win here. And then, you know, a game that fits both the U.S. Open and the Open Championship. So I don't know why he wouldn't be considered, you know, the, one of the favorites going into those two tournaments. And he could snag another one of these, you know, going into the end of this year. Yeah, and, and you think about how many he's been in contention at previously as well, right? Like he at, at Kiowa with Phil, he was right there. He's been at two – he was at this year's previous Masters. He was at the Masters with Tiger in contention there down the stretch. So you could think, you know, he's had the opportunity to win two or three more. But I heard this question posed as well. Would you rather take, you know, like – you know, Brooks has got the PGA Championships and the U.S. Open, right? Like, so he's got he's won five total now, right? Yeah. So, w- would you trade one or two of those for a Masters win? I think, like, yes, hundred percent. Yes, I think, yes. you, I think yeah. you need the you need the Masters at some point, like, and it's got to be re- weighing on Rory even more so. Obviously, not having that one, but um, I think the Masters sort of weighs heavier than the, all of them. The Wimbledon or, or like you name the other, like it is the championship to have out of the four. Not that all the others aren't important as well, but yeah, yeah when when you get that, your your career is, is I don't know, you, you get a, a seat at the biggest table possible historically, I suppose. Um, All right, dude. Yeah, that was good stuff. I really enjoyed this. It, it, get, it gets me just so fired up that we have a major in three weeks and um, I've sort of read some things that it's not going to be your typical like U.S. Open grind fest, like like killing everybody. But I'm just so excited about the storylines going into this one. I saw Sergio Garcia come through the qualifiers this week for this this major. So that'll be another guy that's in from live. And he's apparently playing some great golf. Like, I don't know. Pretty excited. I, I saw some comments about that. I think I forget who maybe Austin Eckrow. There was a list of guys who who tried to qualify today. Um, maybe it was someone else, but they said something about Sergio. Like he, he seemed they've never seen him with that much passion. Like he was like fist pumping out at the qualifiers today, like like really trying to make it through, and and he made it. So, uh, so Sergio will will be live at the U.S. Open. So we'll see. Love it. All right. Well, we got we got that in the future. 
But this week we have uh, the Charles Schwab Classic um, held at the famed Colonial Country Club in Texas. It's par 70, just just a touch over 7,200 yards. Uh, interesting, interesting tournament. Um, yeah, we, we got Sam Burns as the defending champion. And and this is going to be a weird one, I think, overall. Um, everything about this course, I think, can be summed up in in sort of it can be compared to a lot of the tournaments we've played this year where no style fits uh, in any particular way. There are a lot of ways to skin the cat here. Um, everything I'm seeing is that, uh, you know, there aren't going to be a ton of birdies, but there are going to be a lot of approach shots from inside 125 yards. So again, you you would think those would sort of correlate to a lot of scoring chances. So should be a fun dance with some big names in the field. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested in this in this quite a bit. This is a uh, pretty, pretty top heavy in terms of the odds with, with a weird course where a lot of people can come into play because, because of sort of the, the style fit many, many ways you can do it. Um, so yeah, it should be interesting. What are, what are you uh, looking at? Same thing. Yeah. So it was interesting to see this course. Um, I was looking at like the uh, cut numbers, like over the last five, six years, something like that. It's been pretty much over par. Um every single year except for one or two uh where it was either like even or minus one but yeah you the first glance at the course you wouldn't really think that as you mentioned like it seems like it should be a little bit more scorable than it is but just happens to to play a little tougher i'm honestly not really sure exactly why that is but yeah um yeah a little little top heavy feel but but stronger than what you would expect i think at least for like a non-elevated event we still got like a decent number of uh of strong players here and yeah, no, I agree. Um, any guys? So I would say like the top tier of guys towards the top of the odds boards. Obviously, we got Scheffler, Hovland, Finau, uh, Spieth, Morikawa. I would probably put those five as like the elite. Anyone you sort of looking at there out of those five? Uh, kind of jumping out at you. Yeah, I mean, uh, for well, I'd say to win the tournament, Scheffler is is the is the heavy favorite rightfully so like obviously very short on the odds i don't like betting him at those odds but if you're just asking me who's going to win be pretty tough to say scotty's not going to win in texas and i've said that a lot and he's just racked up second places the last couple of weeks but i think this is the week he sort of uh he gets it done especially coming off sort of the disappointing second um but i'd also say Somebody like Colin Morikawa got to be in play here. Um, I, I know that like not even half the tee shots of this tournament are going to be 280 yards. So you're talking about uh, a game where there have to be sort of the typical robotic, like fairway green play. And at his best, he's sort of the best of that bunch, I think. Um, but I, I like value, at least in terms of who I'm going to be betting and who I'm going to be looking to to play in DraftKings. Um sort of in the in the upper middle class let's call it like in the in the suburbs of of this field like i'm going to start with um i like the brits back to back on the odds boards justin rose tommy fleetwood um at 25 and 28 to 1 to win um i think i'll be playing both those guys um in in, in draftkings as well like i just like a, a shorter course where you know long uh, low iron play is sort of uh, at, put at a premium um, Rose played very well at the PGA as well. So did Fleetwood. I, I, we, we thankfully didn't mention it, but you know, Ricky Fowler really screwed me on the mortgage, but Tommy, you know, brought it back and it came out, I think like one tenth of one, one unit quote unquote ahead there. Um, and I like him again this week. 
And then um, at 55 to one, another great sort of ball striker wedge player been in good form is Kurt Kitayama. And I guess those are like sort of my, my strongest endorsements this week are Rose Fleetwood and Kitayama. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't like any of the super favorites at their number. And, and I think, yeah, where we're, we're going to be playing a lot of less than driver and a lot of, you know, wedges, nine irons, like, give me, give me these guys who sort of do that the best. And I'll, I'll let putting hopefully just, just average out. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on Sam Burns for this week? I, I'm not going to touch him. I don't really like, I, I think he just missed the cut last week. I know he's the defending champ. Right. I know he plays well in Texas. I will say every time I've sort of not been near him, he's came out and won. So I know in the match play, I had him out in the first round. I think lasting group um, went on and won, won that. So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not going to be on him personally just because of the form and, and because he hasn't looked right, but but I mean, it would not shock me at all. He has success on these courses, so yeah. And in this, okay, yeah, I like uh, a couple other guys I'm looking at here. I love the Rose call. Uh, Justin Rose has been playing some phenomenal golf over the past couple of weeks, so I love that play. Uh, I'm like Denny McCarthy is another guy I'm looking at, 45 to one. Um, just seems to rate out really well here. Obviously, he's a strong putter. Um, and just a lot of the other uh, sort of stuff he's been doing well in terms of, like, uh, approach play from these, like, main distances that we're seeing at this course, like 125 yards-ish, he's been uh, rating out pretty well as well. Uh, I like the Kirk Kitayama play. Um, I was looking a little bit further down. Oh, I like my guy Eric Cole. So he had a little bit, obviously, like, first round sort of there it was like a little bit sad to see so like obviously you know Bryson was sort of leading there at the first round along with him Eric Cole had to go out like finish his last three holes on uh Friday morning he had to play I think six seven and or excuse me yeah I guess it was six seven eight nine maybe or seven eight I can't remember I think it was I think he had to come out on six uh Friday morning which is obviously oh, like a just a rescue turn yeah it was a consensus in the golf community, like on Twitter, like bet Bryson to win first round leader at like plus 125. Because at that point, I think Cole was like one shot up on him, but he had like an approach shot in the fairway on six that he had to like sort of sit on for the whole night and then play the next morning. And of course, like put it right in the water Friday morning and then uh, fell back a couple shots. So kind of fell for him there, but he... um He's been playing some solid golf this year. We saw him pop up at the Honda. Um, and, yeah, so he's another guy I'm sort of looking at. Um, a little bit – this is sort of way further down the board, but uh, at plus 180 uh, – let me just find – oh, I like Akshay, uh, who I've mentioned a couple times on this pod as well. Always just yeah. a good guy to um, – can get hot at any time. I like Dylan Wu as well. Um, been on like a consistent sort of streak this year. And then one other guy's, um, uh, Carson Young. So he, uh, I think he just set the record qualifying for the U S open, uh, yeah. today or yesterday. Um, and he's also been having a decent stretch on the PGA tour as well. I think a, like a, a few consecutive top 20 finishes. So sort of trending in the right direction there. Oh, and we also mentioned this, uh, I said I was going to bring up on the pod, but I never brought it up was we joked about the confusing Carson Young versus Cam Young situation of yes. like just that coming up in the pod. So, uh, I don't remember what tournament it was. 
sometime before the PGA championship, either one week or two weeks before. I can't remember now. But so our our guy, uh, Tom Kane, who was a guest on the show, had picked Cam Young. And I hadn't talked to him at all the week, you know, the week prior, whatever. Cam Young makes the cut, sort of close. It was a close call, but he makes the cut. And so the next week comes around and Tom had not submitted his pick by like Thursday morning at like 6 a.m. when I wake up for school, which is very uncharacteristic, not like him at all. So I'm kind of like in a panic. I text him like, like, you got to submit your pick. I don't think he's going to answer because he's in California. It's like three o'clock in the morning there. And he responds within like a half hour, like, oh, he's like just submitted. Sorry. He's like the Carson Young, Cam Young thing got me. So he when he looked at the standings on his ESPN app. He saw that C. Young had missed the cut, but was looking at Carson yeah. when actually Cam Young had made the cut and confused the two. So he thought he was out, which I thought was a funny story. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it happens. Happens. I like. Um, I, I I don't know how I got through this guy, but uh, scrolling down a little bit as you were getting lower in the odds, Ryan Palmer in Texas usually a pretty solid bet as well. That's one hundred and thirty to one and twenty two to one to be in the top five. But just yeah, Texas dude. But I, you know, I'm not putting this because of the odds in bet your mortgage territory, but I have a ultra strong play this week that I'll be playing heavily personally. And it sort of is a fade this week. And it is the aforementioned Michael Block to miss the cut at negative 250. So I understand we're really short odds here, but this is a lock like this. Yeah, this is this is going to hit. Like, there's just no way. It is sheerly disrespectful where he's been put in just the winning odds. Like, I know, I think the name above him is, uh, and somebody said this on Twitter too, so I'm probably ripping this off like almost verbatim, but Kevin Kisner is like one name ahead of Michael Block. Michael Block was like 3,000th in the world, and Kevin Kisner has been like a top 70 golfer his entire life. Um, so I, I just don't understand that. I understand like he's getting money because of the TV coverage, but yeah, this is not going to happen this week. <laughs> so you can, you can rest assured. Like, I know you're going to put on a lot of money to win a dollar or whatever, but this is, this is a sure thing. It's not happening. Would you say it was minus two fifty? Yeah. Like, come yeah, on. So, like, like yeah. what, you know, it's just, no, it's, so it's, it's funny because I thought before we record, this was probably like five, six hours ago. I was like, I, I thought of that exact play and wondered what the odds would be. So I'm glad you brought that up because I, yeah, I might be interested in that as well. And plus, plus 160 to make the cut. Like that is a sucker's bet. It's, it's unbelievable. So other guys, by the way, to make the cut that are, that are actually, there's nobody that there's nobody in positive odds to make the cut except for Michael block. So when you see stuff like that, you're, you're getting suckered into betting on this dude. But this is a sure thing. Like I said, he's he's a good player and, you know, a good player at every course except in PGA tournaments. This is a one week thing. It's never, never happening again. And it's not like he this was not his first PGA tournament. Like the guy plays in a lot of PGA tournaments and, and misses like, every this, cut. This every year cut. he's played in multiple and has finished like close to last in every single one. So, again, great story, but <laughs> but we'll see. I don't know. If we're wrong, we're gonna have to lose. This will be this will be tough to eat. But like, dude, the fairy tale ends. Cinderella's chariot is turning back into the pumpkin. Like, this is like this is like not. I don't know what the what the uh, 
Like this is like me going out and shooting par one day and then going to enter like the US Open qualifying and be like, yeah, dude, I'm on a heater now. Like it's time to it's time to go do that. It's just, yeah, great story. It ends. It ends now. Um, you hate anybody else in this tournament besides Michael Block? Like who who is I always the- like look to like fade some of the I don't know. We'll see. I know Cam Davis is getting a lot of love. That's um, crazy. I saw, I know he had a great PGA, and I know somebody yeah. really jumped on him in our pool. And yeah, I like Cam, I like Cam Davis a lot, um, but he has screwed me quite a bit in like pools like this. And have uh, fun, man. It's a, it's know. a wild yeah. ride. If he's we'll on that marquee group, like it is a wild <laughs> ride. So enjoy. <laughs> yeah. So if I had to pick a fade, that would probably be it. Um, no, nah, I don't think anyone else I sort of had my eye on. Um, yeah, no, that was really it for me. We'll see. Cool. I mean, this is tough this week. I don't. I uh, I I think. What What are your thoughts on Fino? Uh, uh, you know, easier course. Um, so maybe he'll probably just dominate it. Um, I I don't like that his act like his advantage with his length is taken away sort of in a course like this, but his ball striking stats have been awesome. Um, the bunkers at this course greenside are not very difficult. Here's here's the stat that sort of worries me. Uh, the past I think it was the past five winners of this tournament, and it's held at the same course, so it's sort of a, a similar sample size at least. The the place they gain strokes to the field is always uh, approach and putting and. Uh, if putting is one of those things, like I don't, you know, Finau can never be trusted with, with that, that flat stick that he's got. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, but again, like it would not surprise me in a non-major where, you know, you're going to have to play, uh, you know, shots gained approach would be high and he's been elite in that category this year. But so I know that's sort of hedging right on the fence of, yeah, if he wins, he wouldn't surprise me, but it also wouldn't surprise me that if he struggles, I don't see him like dropping out of the top 15 of this tournament, for example. Like, but I, I just don't know if with Scheffler in the field, whether you can expect him to win. win. Even though I think this exact same scenario where he was, uh, it was Rom at super short odds and then him as the second favorite, like he ended up just winning the tournament. So, yeah, wrong. Yep. wrong. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I know uh, for DraftKings, a little inside, like, like I guess, advanced tip here. It's supposed to be a very windy Thursday morning, and the meat of this course is from three to nine. Um, one is a is a super birdie hole. 18 is a super birdie hole, but three to nine are really the, the toughest holes on the course where if you're going to drop shots, you'll drop them there. So for me, if I'm looking at sort of any sort of captain in round one scenario or just round one only, um, I'm trying to take the either the morning wave on that starts on 10 or the afternoon wave in general because it's supposed to be a, a pretty shitty morning on Thursday. And if you're playing that, um, you know, in sort of chillier, windier conditions on the toughest part of the course, like going to be very tough to 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 stay, um, you know, at least to score DraftKings points, but to to stay connected to the to the leaderboard. So definitely something I'm looking at in terms of like if I'm picking somebody. Um, that I don't think is going to make it a shitload of birdies. Like maybe I'm, I'm sort of heading for that afternoon wave on Thursday. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think even for something like our pool, where I, I don't think like something like that should be like a, 
deciding factor and that like you're going in with the mindset of like i have to pick a guy in this wave but if you're like between two guys i think it's a great way to sort of like break the tie if you're going to pay just wait a little bit longer and pay attention to when the tea times come out and if there's a wind there's like a weather advantage in a certain um like ed mentioned like you know whatever it is if they're going off split tees or or afternoon versus morning then uh that's a great way to sort of break that tie so yeah i like that yeah, I don't think it matters. Like if you're taking anybody in the top like 10 of the odds in this tournament, like I just think they're going to make enough birdies where or or at least they'll be solid enough to withstand whatever difficult conditions there are and then make birdies. But if you want to try to use this as one of the, you know, one of the courses where you can get away with picking maybe a non-bomber, like definitely something I would pay attention to. All right. That was a lot. Should be a good um, you know, an interesting little weekend with a uh with, with a sort of volatile tournament in play. Um, let's take a quick peek. Celtics down by six at the half here. So that's, that's great. Looks like that'll be a short, a short series. Would you, would you prefer the Celtics just lose tonight or like if they're going to just drag it out to five or six, like, I feel like it's better to just, just pack it in tonight and let's, let's call it a wrap. Transparently, (laughs) like my wallet needs them to win this game. And like they have taken me to the cleaners this whole series. This has been one of the most surprising runs for Miami in general, but just like Celtics performances. Like I know this team has these types of games in them. It is so crazy to see them just get like mauled like this by um, like dudes that just straight up aren't as talented past Jimmy Butler. Like even if you're going to give Jimmy Butler is the best player in this series and Tatum's not like, okay, the Heat have the best player in the series. And I think the Celtics on paper have like the next eight players going, you know, <laughs> after that. So I don't know how this is happening, but it's been, um, it's been tough to watch. It's been tough to gamble on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very sad. I, I certainly don't think, I know there has to be at some point the first Oh three comeback, but this team does not look like the team that's going to do it based on these last three games. So now nah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, in the words of market smart, don't let them get one, you know, we'll see if they win yeah. tonight. Yeah. For me, it's a little, it's just <laughs> tough to say stuff like that when you've, when you've gotten stomped out for three games, like maybe let's just like, you know, like win a quarter and then, and then come and try to, Try to say something that optimistic. Like, I just don't get it. Very frustrated, as you can tell. It's been it's been difficult. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully right. hopefully, we can just give you a part of our misery tonight. Um, good luck this week, everybody, with your money, with your picks. And uh, we will catch you uh, on Monday or Tuesday. And intro, the golf clap, out. <laughs>